Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal and to episode 65. Today I am very excited to be able to tell you that I had another new guest onto the podcast this week. Uh, so I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to talk to Rebecca Lombardo. And you may have heard of Becca before. Uh, she has her own podcast that she runs with her husband called Voices for Change 2.0. Uh, but she's also an author, she has her own blog, website, uh, she's previously written a book, um, and she has also done uh, posts or articles for the Huff Post and for the Mighty as well. So she's done loads of stuff around mental health and around her own experience as well. So I was delighted to be able to talk to Becca earlier on this week, uh, and I'm very pleased to be able to share with you our discussion on this episode. So thank you very much for tuning in and if you're interested in coming on the podcast in the future, please do get in contact. All of my details uh, and information for the blog and the podcast and everything that I do is available over at the website, which is mikesopenjournal.com. So do go over there and check out um, everything that's there. Um, but I'm going to cut straight into it uh, and drop you straight into our conversation from a couple of days ago. So please do enjoy this conversation. Um, so I had a little look through your website last week um, just to get a bit of an idea because I've seen you pop up on a couple of different conversations and things and I think um, you've also been on another podcast as well with um, one of the guys over in America um, so I see you're starting to do like a few bits and pieces now which is really cool um, but I just wondered like the first time that you started to I guess talk about mental health and how that happened and why you were interested in mental health as a topic. Well, it began in 2013 when I, it was June, and I, uh, my symptoms, my bipolar symptoms, you know, um, my borderline personality disorder symptoms, my depression, everything just kind of spiraled out of control, and I, I just had no, I, I just didn't see any other way out of, you know, being such a burden to my family and my husband especially and I, I decided that you know I would rather be with my mom who had passed away in 2008 and I just I was wasn't going to be here anymore you know um I I was I was uh self-injured I, I was a self-harmer I should say mm-hmm. <laughs> um I, uh, you know, use that quite a bit for coping mechanisms, but this time I was using it for something different. And then I took a entire bottle of pills and, you know, we, I ended up in the hospital and then the state had me committed to this horrible facility. And, um, I'd always been a writer. Uh, you know, I'd gone through several years of writer's block Mm -hmm. But I'd always wanted to be a writer ever since I was very, very young. Uh, and when I got out of the facility that I was uh, forcibly put in, um, I started writing a blog, which began as, you know, just sort of just for me and, mm-hmm. and for my my husband, you know, so he could and what I was dealing with and what I was feeling. He's always been very, very supportive he's uh amazing he takes great care of me and you know is always make sure that whatever he can do to help me he's doing it you know and um so i would write it out because it was 
easier for me to write than to say it. Mm. So it was sort of like purging all the negativity out of my brain under the, under the computer screen. And, uh, you know, he would read it saying, you know, this is really good. You should really, you know, show this to people. And, and I showed it to a few friends and they were like, yeah, this is really, really good. And so then I made it public and, uh, not long after I started receiving messages from all over the place, all over the world, you know, people saying, Oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're saying things that, that, that I've been through. I didn't know that, you know, I wasn't the, I thought I was the only one. And, you know, now I understand why my husband acts like this and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get help and all these different things. So, uh, I kept writing the blog and it, kept getting more and more popular. And at the end of 2014, I was thinking, I, I wonder if if you can turn a blog into a book. And I did research on it. And in fact, that was something that people do. Uh, the first go around was a mess. <laughs> it didn't, didn't go well, well for us at all. Um, it, you know, we, we sort of, we did a, a Kickstarter type thing to, raised the money to try to publish it and it, it wasn't ready for publication. It was terrible. So, um, I went another, I was, I was still actively searching for a publisher, you know, sending out queries and and things like that. Mm. And, um, I, we didn't find one for quite some time and I just, but I still just kept writing. So I wrote for two years the book is is based on two years, and it's like a journal. The book itself, it's it's the it, you know the chapters are dated as to when I wrote them, and it follows along, like just like a journal does. And okay. that's some some people don't understand the book, um, and it's that's because it's not formatted like a like a storybook. It's not the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's yeah, I, it's I've, formulated. I've, I've seen books like that before where it is laid out very much like a, like you say, it's more of a published journal rather than a traditional book, I guess. Um, Right, exactly. And I guess it's just getting that understanding before you start reading because then you know, okay, it's not a story as such and you just, you read it slightly differently, I think, and that maybe that's where the confusion comes for some people. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you on that. So, um you know, finally it, it became a book and, uh, we just recently redid it, uh, because there was some errors and things like that in it that I wasn't happy with. And we did, you know, redid the cover and took some things out, added some things in. And, and so it's sort of a new book, right? And it feels really good to have a, you know, it's, I think it's a superior product to what the initial book was, which, uh, is both, you know, it makes me both glad and sad because several people have purchased it, you know, the original version, and now it's better. <laughs> so if, if anybody comes to me, you know, and says, hey, I, I bought it, and now I've got this crap version, and <laughs> you've so got no, the good one. No, you've got the original version. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's special. It's a collector's item. Yeah. <laughs> I ha- so, I had, um... but yeah, that's where I, I ended up. Someone mentioned to me the other day about a couple of like spelling mistakes and stuff that I had in a blog post, and I was like, "To be honest with you, I said as long as the title's spelled okay, I said I don't mind. I said because like I've that's how I've written it, so that's how it is. 
I was like, I don't feel a massive need to, like, yeah, if it's a particular, like, fact or a link or something like that, yeah, it obviously needs to be spelled correctly. But I said otherwise, like, that's part of... I've, I said, if you go through, I'm sure you're going to find at least one spelling mistake in everything I've written. Um, mm-hmm. I said, it depends on what you want. Like, if you want a pristine, polished something then you probably want to go somewhere else i said my like this is it's how i've written and yeah there's going to be mistakes and um small bits and pieces in there so but at the end of the day it's what do you want from it i like it's authentic and i get what you mean like if there's bits in there that you wanted to change with the book and improve like the cover art or things like that but then there's something really special about those people that have got let's say the imperfect version and that first version (laughs) because they've got they do have like they've got the original untouched unfiltered version um right which in itself could be like you say like a collector's item and they could take quite a lot from that and say actually do you know what yeah it's not perfect but that's why i really like it um so yeah I'd, i don't know I'd, I'd be surprised if you had many people come forward and say oh i've got the first edition and i want the second edition but i don't know <laughs> to each their own i suppose <laughs> right exactly so uh, i went from there and um you know i kept blogging and i kept writing for other people's blogs uh eventually you know i set my sights on the huffington post mm. uh and i contacted them repeatedly eventually i got Ariana Huffington herself prior to her wow. exiting the <laughs> the Huffington Post. Um, so I was invited and then eventually I was invited also to write for the Mighty, which uh, is exciting for me. Mm. You know, both both of them are, are just fantastic publications. So I'm, you know, very excited about that and uh, my husband and I even started a podcast that we do on Saturday mornings. So it was called Voices for Change 2.0. So, you know, we're, uh, we're busy. I <laughs> mm, sound very busy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I'm, I, I love it. I, I, I love being able to reach people and, um, have other people come to me and say, Hey, you know, what you said helped me in this situation. Mm. And it's very, very rewarding experience in my opinion. I I think, yeah, I think like you say, going through that experience and being able to say, um, this, this isn't like a, these aren't the facts or theories. This is, this is my personal experience. Like yours might be similar. It might be really different, but just being able to talk openly about that on things like podcasts and blog posts and wherever else, um, I think makes a real difference. Um, and it is something that I feel, I think in the last year or so is there is more awareness around that. Um, but that comes from people continually speaking up and, a lot of the time, I I don't feel like it's a necessarily a big media campaign here or there. It's actually just individual people coming forward and saying, Do you know what, like, this is my story and this is my version of what happened. Um, and that can be really hard to do in the first instance because uh, we're talking about mental health where there is loads of stigma, where there are fears um for us to come forward and ask for help in the in the first place um forget about sort of talking about it but just going to see a doctor or asking for help and that can be really challenging um so i think 
for you to be able to go out there and help like you say other people um that are reading or listening to the material that you put out can make a real difference to them i guess understanding their own mental health or mental health as a topic as well which is which is really good um i don't know was there anything for you um like when you were starting to struggle with mental health um that you particularly read or were aware of or anything like that Back way, 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 way back when I when I was first diagnosed at age 19, I was given some books. You know, I was given um, one of Kay Redfield Jameson's books. Uh, I think it's called An Unquiet Mind. Uh, was the was the first one that I ever received, mm. but. I find when I'm in a depressive episode and. Uh, even even when I'm not necessarily in a depressive episode, I'm just not able to focus like I used to. In the good old days, I could read book after book after book after book, and um, I'm having trouble with that now, and I'm feeling incredibly, incredibly guilty about it because there are people that have read my book and have sent me their book, and I've been unable to read it because I just – between the headaches and weird vision things that I have going on and, and my concentration skills, uh, it's, it's difficult for me to, to read anything. So Mm. I do recall that. And I, I believe I recall, uh, being referred to touched by fire. And I know that there was one book that I did read about self-injury, uh, because I wanted to understand it at the time. I didn't know it was a thing that, you know, more than one person in the world did. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to understand it. And uh, I read a really good book about self-injury way, way back in the day. But um, lately, no, I haven't. I haven't read too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some great friends that are really fantastic authors, and I really want to catch up on all their books. And I'm hoping that I can do that. It can be hard, can't it? Because you get so set into uh, like that feeling of you need to sit there and concentrate. And when that's something that we sometimes struggle with as well, I think, because if you have, uh, I guess not always, but I, I think the the people that I've spoken to before um, that generally sort of struggle with mental health illnesses are either really, really good at kind of sitting there and reading and can read for a period of time or massively struggle with that. Um, and I think for me, it's that idea that you kind of want to sit there and want to go through and, and read something, but at the same time, it it allows your mind to kind of activate, I guess, um, because you're not necessarily always engaged with something that's moving or the sound, or um, so that can be a bit of a struggle for me. So to sit there and just read, um, I find really challenging. So I thought it was interesting when you were mentioning like with your book being kind of a journal form and that reminded me of uh, like the last book that I read was um, kind of like a load of short fictional stories um, mm-hmm. and that, actually that was really good because I could concentrate for the length of <laughs> like two or three pages <laughs> and um, like that was the right. level that I could kind of keep up with and I, I felt okay with that but the idea of kind of sitting there and reading a whole book would have been something I massively struggled with Um I don't know. I guess it's how much you're engaging with the content as well. 
Right. Yeah, a lot of people have mentioned that because my my book, the the chapters are very short because mm-hmm. they're they're blog posts essentially. Yeah. And um, you know, there's maybe two or three pages, maybe a tiny bit more for some chapters, but a lot of people have said it's a very easy read. Um, and at first, I kind of was like, I don't, I don't think I like that <laughs> i don't think i don't think i like you saying that about it but um it and it ends up being a good thing i think because it, it draws more people in because they understand that it's not you know war and peace that they're yeah. trying to conquer yeah and i think if you get to a stage where you're like actually although i'm really interested in this i just i can't read more than a certain amount um mm-hmm. you can you can stop and you don't have to think I'm I'm quite I like I want to finish a chapter or whatever the book split into, and if you're reading a book and the chapter's like ten pages away, then that feels like a lot of effort. Then, whereas if mm-hmm. you're like, oh okay, well I'm kind of ready to stop now, and there's half a page left, you, half a page is fine. Um, right. And I think sometimes with um, some of the like the the more mental health related stories or books, um, I my preference is for the shortest story type style because um it is usually in so your book is your experience so when i read let's say um like blog post one and two um then i kind of want to stop and think about it and think maybe how it applies to me or how it would apply to me if i experienced that and you can kind of think about that rather than like quick let's roll Mm -hmm. on to the next thing um because it's not a full-on story it is part of someone's experience i don't know i just it's yes it's uh, it's weird i don't know if it's me i just i would read it in such a different way um in the same way that the short stories were kind of mm, mental health related and that was so good just to read through like i say two or three pages stop and really think about the message that was in there um as opposed to a big storybook yeah, you would probably like my book then. I would, uh, uh, if you weren't over across, <laughs> the, across the pond, I'd send it to you. <laughs> I tell you, I've had to send some to folks over oh over in your, your area. And I'm talking $22 Jeez. for shipping, and oh, it's yeah. just, it's unbelievable. I've, I remember sending some stuff over... Uh, a few years ago and I was sending like letters and I remember thinking this isn't too bad and I was like yeah this is okay and then I as I sort of walked back to the car thinking yeah but it is a letter it is a bit of paper (laughs) 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 it hasn't got to that stage where they're like how much does it weigh or well they still ask that but I was like oh my god like actually if you're if you're sending a package yeah that's absolutely ridiculously expensive it is um, when you think it's not it's just transporting an item and they're going to be doing the journey anyway oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not talk about post because i stood behind someone in a self-service thing the other day and um they I, I don't know they must have been someone that does like the ebay selling or something she right. had three massive bags of small packages and was doing them all on the only self-service machine um, mm. But I didn't realise that when I started to queue up. So I was already halfway through the queue and it just sort of stops. And we stood there for about 
half an hour, 40 minutes with the same person there, just scanning through. And I was, she surely should have gone to go and see a person. I was like, there's too many mm-hmm. parcels there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we go through that here too, believe me. Oh, dear. I'm like, I quite like self-service usually. I feel like, yeah, there's errors and there's problems where it doesn't work perfectly. But actually, most of the time it does save us a little bit of time. Yeah, the, the 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 less human contact, the better. Yeah, yeah, let's get rid of those jobs. <laughs> so, uh, someday we'll be able to do it from home, won't we? <laughs> you know, I did actually have a mail scale and everything here at one point, but uh, the, the post office here is so unbelievably messed up that they would forget to pick it up. Oh. So... That's why we, we have a P.O. box now, because our mail was getting stolen or not delivered or oh, wow. all sorts of things. So, yeah, don't get me going on the post office either. It will not be exciting for your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Let's... <laughs> Oh, I get mad about post. Stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now it's all I can think about. Uh, one of the questions I did have, um, which totally doesn't relate to post at all, um, was your podcast um, being called um, Voices for Change 2.0. I was wondering what the 2.0 was about. Sure. Um, The show actually began in 2016 as Voices for Change with Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Uh, It began on one network. Um, Mm. I was was speaking to a gentleman who um, had a podcast of his own, and I was probably going to be on his podcast. And we were doing like much like what you and I are doing right now, just having a Skype chat. Mm. And um, he, we kind of got started in the. I said how I was interested in possibly doing a podcast with my husband. I thought we could present it from the point of view of you know myself being the one with the bipolar disorder and my husband being the caregiver because we get a lot of questions from married people that are like how are you you know how are you doing it how is your marriage so happy you know my husband yeah. is bipolar and he's driving me crazy or whatever <laughs> the situation may be and so we thought it would be it would work out and um it it went okay for a little while, and then we just had we just disagreed on 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 too many details, so we left that particular network. And uh, in January of this year, we started on a new network. So I changed it from Voices for Change to Voices for Change 2.0, so you can distinguish between okay. the networks and and the versions of the show and and what have you. So. Yeah, now we're on um, we're on the le- the left of straight network, which is an LGBTQ network, uh, which is fantastic. We oh, love wow. them. Our producer is great. Um, they call us allies, which we love. We think that's amazing. We we enjoy being 
LGBTQ allies. <laughs> That's just, it's a mouthful, but there we enjoy is. it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have a great time with, with Scott, our producer on the show, and uh, it's going along really, really well. In fact, we are booked until December. Wow. Um, I have the five Saturdays in December left for anyone who's interested in being on the show. So, Whoa, that's yeah. such a huge growth when you think from kind of starting up and having the idea for a podcast and having a few episodes to get into a stage where you're booked up for six months with guests. Yeah, you know, there's there's always going to be somebody who, oh, I forgot, I can't do it kind yeah. of thing. You know, we're prepared for that. But um, as, as of right now, it, it everybody's pretty much on board. I mean, of course, they're all saying, if you get a cancellation, call me first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I try I try to keep it fair. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're we're really excited about where it's headed and we think that it's it's a fun show you know we have a lot of fun doing it and and you know if if we have a guest on that you know it is kind of meshes well with our personalities it's it really it all comes together really really well and and like i said our producer is 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 great and uh so we're we're happy with it. We're we're glad we're doing it. That is cool. And so you mentioned Joe there. Um, how long have you guys been together? It will be sixteen years, August third. Whoa! You, <laughs> it's a long time. How did you guys meet? We met online, oh, uh, but awesome. we met online before it was terrifying to meet someone online. It was back, you know, back in the day, like 1998 ish. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, when uh, we're both still on AOL, we have AOL email addresses because we met on AOL. Oh. Uh, even though everybody makes fun of us about it, but uh, <laughs> there was a brief time when AOL had this whole system where you could be a pen pal with with people, either you know across the country or in your own state or what have you, and that's how we started out was as pen pals and then we met up and we uh dated a little tiny bit and our schedules were just not you know coordinating properly and mm. it, we just it just wasn't working out and my mental health wasn't great at the time and I eventually ended up being hospitalized and it was 2001 when he started calling again and and he you know admitted to me that he hadn't been able to stop thinking about me and you know it was may of 2000 may uh 18th of 2001 that we started dating officially and we were married august 3rd 2001 so uh, when you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We oh. well, we wanted to do it, it, it the most cost-effective, quick way. Um, it was very, very small. There was only like ten people there. You know, just very close family members, mm. and you know, um, maid of honor and best man type thing, oh. and then the photographer. That was really, really about it. So that's the only people you need. Yeah, and it, and we're glad that we did it that way. I mean, 
would I have wanted one a big giant wedding? Oh yes, I would have loved that. I would have loved the the whole you know pomp and circumstance of a big giant wedding. But unfortunately, you know his his parents are older. My parents are older, you know, and not long after we got married, he lost his grandmother and his father. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it, we were glad that we were able to do it the way we did so that the right people could be there. Yeah. I think that's, that's what you remember more. It's the people that were there and the experience you had. And, um, you can always go and try on a pretty dress in a shop. <laughs> it's not the same, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's not quite, not quite the same. Maybe, no. maybe someday, maybe if I shed a few pounds, I'll uh, go and try something on. But <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, you know, we've we've looked into doing like a. Uh, vowel renewal and things like that and something's okay. always come up so yeah I think someday we may do that you need to do it and do like a live podcast as a reception and maybe you can get some sort of discounts <laughs> I think that's a little bit overboard <laughs> just a little bit offsides there <laughs> you could be your own entertainment in the evening it'll be fine <laughs> Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not Kim Kardashian. I don't think anybody <laughs> would tune into my wedding. <laughs> if someone said I'm doing a live podcast for my wedding, I think I'd do it. <laughs> oh, dear me. can't even imagine. That must have been um, quite difficult then. Um, with the hospitalization kind of being around the same time as you'd kind of started a relationship as well and with the other things that were going on I mean how how did that kind of come to be well I I started uh self-harming a lot uh it became a a daily activity I mean I had a kit of instruments that I use and special songs I listen to and and it just it became an obsession it became an addiction really I have a, you know addictive family mem- members you know that everyone all of my uh, siblings were addicts in some way at some point in time in their lives and we just have you know, this addictive trait running through our family. And that was my addiction was, was self-harm. And, you know, I finally had to come to terms with it and show my parents and try to explain it to them and which was next to impossible because they just did not get it at all. And, and, you know, looking back on the situation now that I'm 44 years old, I was, you know, in my twenties then, I can understand a little bit better their, their confusion. I mean, people are always afraid of, of what they don't understand. And, um, it, it it was, it was a new thing. It wasn't something that was talked about a lot. Um, and I, I understand why they were so perplexed, but, you know, I ended up, going let's see I was in the hospital at one point and then I was in a group home at another point um between like 97 99 all kind of in in that area and uh I still 
still kept doing the self-harm even after I got out and, um, you know, still kept on doing it all the way. I had a, I had a break in there where I was clean for five years and then I messed up in 2013 and started again. And now I have uh, four years clean. So, yeah. So I haven't done anything since that faithful day that got me in the ER and uh, near death experience. It's hard, isn't it? Because I think um, I've spoken to people before and um, sometimes people are really apprehensive about talking about self-harm. And um, while I can understand why, I think it's it's difficult with the, I think, the mindset as well that is there around the conversation. Because some people believe that kind of by talking about it, like you encourage other people to do it or you allow them exactly. more information on how to do it and... I think that's really, really hard to judge because my view has always been like more information, the better. Like if we talk about it, more people will be aware that actually other people do this and um, like I'm not on my own. Like it's not completely weird. Like people have done this and people do do it. Um, But at the same time, like here's so much support that's available to me to access. And um, but yeah, it's it's a difficult tightrope. I guess to walk I don't know I think my view is always that it's better to talk about it and kind of bring stuff out into the open but at the same time I can I can understand why some people are kind of against that I don't know if that's something that you've had to deal with or question yourself as well when you've spoken about it Yeah it's it's definitely the the triggering aspect is a is a huge concern of mine uh that's why I only speak about it in certain ways. I don't get in depth and it's not just about, for me, it's not just about triggering other people. It's about triggering myself, hmm. you know, because um, if, if I get too in depth and, and start thinking about it too much, then it, it becomes, it's one of my doctors told me this, that my self injury uh, behavior was very um, OCD because once once I get it in my head, it doesn't. I can't get it out of my head. It's a constant. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to do it. Becomes it. a compulsive thought. Right. Exactly. So um, it was not only addiction, but it was an obsessive compulsive type thing, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's why I tend to be you know, more careful about the ways that I, I describe it, uh, for my own, for my own safety and for the safety of others. I, I agree with you to a degree that, that the more information, the better, but also I don't want to give anybody any ideas mm-hmm. where they say, Oh, Hey, I haven't tried that before, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So, um, it's protection for everybody involved. Yeah. I think that's a really, interesting view to hear as well because actually that probably puts you in one of the best places because by trying to protect yourself you're be you are protecting the other people that might be affected by that as well mm-hmm. right right so that's pretty cool. yeah. yeah um one question i did have uh was kind of that thought process behind like i completely get the the idea of starting to um you spoke about 
kind of writing, um, why you're in hospital and also why you came out. Um, and that thought process behind sort of moving that from a just writing for yourself. Um, and I don't know whether that was writing in a notebook or on a computer, but how that sort of jumped into a blog at the beginning. Well, it's, it started as a blog. Okay. Yeah. I, there are times I do still like, I love notebooks. Oh, notebooks are one of my favorite things. And my husband knows this and he knows when I start running low on notebooks and he goes and buys me the best ones. I have to have a specific kind and everything. And I still write uh, quite a bit of what I do write in, into on pen to paper type thing and then transfer it onto the computer. But, um, when, when the blog originally started for me, when I got out of the hospital, it was all just on the computer and, um, you know, it was, it was published and anyone could have seen it, but I didn't let anyone know that it was there until Mm. later on when I got more positive feedback. I think I don't know. I I really find the kind of the handwriting of um, like the experiences I go through, and when I'm in a really depressive state, like handwriting, I find really beneficial in terms of kind of just letting those thoughts or feelings kind of um, just flow out of you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I find it super annoying <laughs> to then Do type you? up stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it can be, especially when you write like I write and it's chicken scratch. I might as well have been a doctor the way that the way that I write, you know, and and it's it's terrible. And there are times I'm going, what the the hell does that say? And (laughs) I'm trying to type it up. But, yeah, I I get that. It, It can be really annoying, but it's also very like. For me, it's very liberating. It, uh, you know, especially I've scratched out, you know, just ten pages of of all these thoughts and everything, and then it, then it feels like a release. Yeah, like it's it's all written down now. It's I I don't have to think about it anymore. It's mm-hmm. here in in this book, and when I'm ready, I'll I'll transfer it to the blog, and yeah, then I'll you know I'll be good. I think it's a good process. I think. I know there are different kind of coping strategies that people use with kind of writing, drawing, colouring, music and things like that. But I really think that idea of kind of um, writing something down about the experiences that you're having is that um, kind of that first step, I guess, to communicating that to other people and to yourself, whether you decide to show it to anyone or not. I don't think that always matters. I think just that process of kind of getting it out and um for us i don't i don't know if it's sometimes seen as more of a male thing but having something physical there as well um Mm. that kind of shows or represents what you've gone through um i think can be a really big thing whereas um i find uh things like coloring more of a i guess more of like a relaxing or calming thing it's not necessarily expressing the things that you're going through um, I don't know what have you used other coping mechanisms um, other mm-hmm. than writing before? Yeah, I do color actually. Um, I haven't in a little while because, like I started to uh, mention earlier, I've been having problems with my vision and I've been dealing with vertigo and dizziness, 
and uh, we're, we're headed to a specialist in a little while to try to figure out what's going on with with my head. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I haven't had my eyes checked in several years, so I don't know if I need my glasses to be updated or uh, what the situation is. So the staring at down at one particular page for too long mm-hmm. uh, sends me into another one of my migraines, and I, I already get them enough. So I've been avoiding coloring a little bit. Um, I've been doing it a tiny bit on some apps on the tablet. I, I enjoy the the apps on the tablets as well as just okay. as, as coloring with pencils. Um because those, some of those are, it's just easier. It's, it's, you don't have to look at it as long because you can, you know, you can pick out a, a, a silly tiny little picture and, and on the app and, and color it however you want, but, and you can use fewer colors and it's not so much, there's not so much thought to it, I guess. Mm. It's, it's, you know, I guess more, it's available quicker yeah, as well you haven't got to go just, and find paper and pens and somewhere to sit down it's just like grab your phone or a tablet or whatever and there you are right and i've got those you know fun little like stylus things and you know do it that way so mm. uh i do that i i watch a lot of movies <laughs> i my <laughs> Um, I was a movie fanatic before I met my husband and now I'm an even bigger movie fanatic. You know, now I've moved into the realm of like Marvel and DC comics uh. and, you know, all of that stuff. So now I'm kind of obsessed with, with anything related to comic book films. And before I met him, I didn't even know, you know, anything about it. So, um, it's great though. It, we have we have a blast going to see those movies, and you know I use music, of course. He, my husband, is a guitarist, and he teaches guitar, and he's very very good. And um, you know we love uh, some of the same kinds of some of his music. I I just can't even deal with, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know if you're you're familiar with Iron Maiden or Dream Theater. Uh, I know I know of Iron Maiden. Yeah, uh, the, he's he's really into that kind of stuff, and I I just can't even tolerate it. Oh. But um, that's <laughs> okay. There's... It'd, be, it'd be nice to listen to for like a song. That I would be my li- <laughs> I can't I can't even do that. It's it's just he, he's a he's a hardcore rocker dude. He you know he was he started he started playing guitar back in the eighties and you know became the 80s rocker you know big hair kind of guy so uh, but yeah like I enjoy music and I also I also have a lovely camera and I take a lot of pictures and um, you know I spend a lot of time online to be honest with you Mm. and uh, like you said writing and reading when I can and we have five cats (sighs) so Five. I, I, Whoa. Yeah, I, I adore the, I adore all of them. They all bring something completely different to our lives, and um, oh, actually, I'm surprised I'm alone right now. Usually, there's one in here with me when I'm oh. doing things. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, those are my That's my coping cool. skills. I, yeah. I have I have found in the 
last year, maybe nine months, like I started to go out a lot more and just say like, I'm taking my camera with me. I'm going out. I'll I kind of get stuck at the end of the road where I think, okay, I'm outside. I'm in the car. <laughs> like, where am I actually going? Um, but I think cameras can be a great way to actually push us to go outside sometimes when when you're having the, like those down times and you're really struggling and you feel quite isolated to just say, oh, I'm just going to go outside. I'm just going to go wherever I'm going to spend half an hour taking some pictures can be a really cool thing as well. Um, and I definitely would encourage like more people to go and do that. It doesn't matter if you're only going to use the camera that's on your phone or I don't think the camera usually comes into it that much. It's just the activity of going out. Right. Such yeah, a cool it's, it's, thing. yeah. I, I love. We love to go to the the parks around this area. We've got um, a couple of them. Well, one of them has a uh, a farm, and you know they're constantly having more animals being brought into the world at this little farm, and we take pictures of these goats and cows and all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah, we. I really enjoy it, and and even though I can't for the life of me remember the proper settings half the time, <laughs> the, the pictures the pictures still turn out pretty good, and uh, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. That's. I think it, that's the thing, isn't it? It's just going out and doing it. it doesn't always matter. Yeah, it's it's getting yourself out of your own head and just get just get up and go is is the hardest part for me i i'm agoraphobic and i have social anxiety so um just getting myself out the door is is mm. the toughest part mm. i think sometimes that's where it comes into play as well with it being um i know like was it last like the whole pokemon go thing i don't know if you got involved in that at all but i, I loved, heard about it i it heard was, about it but yeah i didn't i didn't participate <laughs> <laughs> i found it amazing for a couple of months because it was just like it was a massive incentive to go outside and in an evening where i would just like sit at home and probably have done nothing i was out walking around like seeing a few like they're not massively great sites but seeing a few things that you've not seen or walked past for a long time and um i really liked it from that point of view as a like an idea just to get you outside and i think that's kind of where photography is kind of taken over for me now like that's now the reason to go outside and um take pictures of different things or at different times of day where you've got different lighting and that can make a real difference um mm -hmm. like i said it's just it's not necessarily what you get produced from that but just the activity itself i think Right, right. I would agree with you. Um, jumping around again. <laughs> this is like all the ideas that pop into my head. I really should have made notes. We could have done it in a nice continuous order. Um, <laughs> is the, uh, like the guest, I don't know if it's like guest posting that you do for um, Huffington and the Mighty. Like how did that come around? Like the first time that you kind of got involved with, with those guys? Well, I set... My, I set some goals for myself. Uh, once I once I got a little bit more, I don't know if I want to say well known, but once I was a little bit more known in the mm. mental health community uh, on social media, especially on Twitter, uh, I I felt like I'd reached a certain point. Um, 
you know, people knew about my blog, they, and they knew about the book and I was, I, I was guest posting for, you know, all sorts of people to begin with. And so, um, I sort of set a goal for myself and I, I saw all these different people in the same field on Huffington post, which I believe now they want to go by Huff post. So I, I should correct myself. Yeah. I've I need seen to it shortened. I wasn't, yeah, I they, kind they of sh- see it as more of like a, that's a logo thing. I've never heard anyone say that. So yeah. I yeah. I don't know. They, they changed the logo and how all everything looks. So, but, um, yeah, I sort of set that as a goal for myself and, uh, I've read articles on from people who, you know, had gotten on and how they got on. And mm. so I started following some of their tips and eventually, um, Ariana Huffington wrote me back and said, you know, we'd like to have you. And I, I was, it took them, a, <laughs> I, I loved it. I was so thrilled, but it took them a really long time to get me signed up. I was, uh, getting so upset because, uh, you know, I got this email and I was so excited and just over the moon. And, and then it took a couple of months before I even was able to begin writing. But once it, once it got going, it was great and it's still great. I love it. I, I post on there all the time. And, um, so after that, I, I realized that uh, a lot of my, uh, I don't know, I guess colleagues in the mental health field were mm. uh, posting things on, on the mighty. And I said, okay, so what do I have to do to get on there? That looks like a good, a good uh, next step. Mm. So I made that a goal for myself and, uh, you know, wrote for them a couple of, a couple of times. And I don't really remember exactly how they got back in touch with me as much as I remember the other. Uh, but I do remember that they, they said that they were, they were interested in having me. And so, yeah, now, I mean, what, what they do, what each of them does is they, they give you a login, uh, like a, a name and a password and, and you can log into their contributor platforms and you have like a dashboard and, and everything. And it, mm-hmm. so you have like your own mighty and your own HuffPost accounts and you can post as much as you want as, you know, as whatever you want mm-hmm. pretty much. And then if you get, you'll get really lucky and they'll pick one up and they'll promote it, which has happened to me a few times, especially on the mighty, they've promoted some of my articles, which was great for, you know, viewership. Mm-hmm. so that's really how that started and oh, that's cool. um so yeah if, I, since I, those were goals or targets for you to do before is there something that you're looking towards or hoping to do at the moment well i don't want to do it immediately because my health isn't all that great and i'm dealing with some different things but mm. eventually i would like to get into speaking uh at you know, high schools or middle schools or or whatever about, you know, suicide prevention. And, uh, you know, I've reached out prior to, uh, I I have uh, a back injury and and a knee injury and then I've got, you know, like I was mentioning the vertigo and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things going on all at once, but, um, 
prior to all that, I was contacting the local schools in my area and saying, hey, you know, I would like to come in and talk to the kids about suicide prevention and, you know, what what have you. And they all were hands off. Oh, no, 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 no way. Nope. Can't talk about that. Mm -mm, Nope. (laughs) Which is which is a shame because I feel like you have to get to them young. If somebody had gotten to me and told me what I was in for, you know, at a young age, my life could have been vastly different. Mm. And, you know, when I go into stores or whatever and I see a young girl behind the counter and her arms are all scarred up just like mine, you know, I just I want to pull her aside and shake her and say, look, these scars don't go away and this is not helping you, you know, mm. and um, it's it's frustrating because I have I have something to say and I have something important to say and nobody is letting me do it. So um that's kind of a goal of mine is to one day be able to have the it's a, there's a there's a courage issue as well. <laughs> mm. You know, I have a sort of a fear of public speaking even though it I don't get as anxious about it when I'm thinking about talking about this topic because I know it pretty well. It's not something, you know, it's not something new. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something that I would like to move into at, at some point. I think it's a really interesting, um, kind of idea because I've seen, um, as I feel like a lot of people have, there's so many, um, like amazing speakers that you'll see on YouTube going into schools and talking about, bullying and mental health and um some of the different topics that are going on at the moment I can't say I've I can't say I've ever particularly noticed one where they've gone in to speak um about suicide but I'm sure I've seen ones that have been um like mental health related and then particularly kind of focusing on self-harm to some extent um Mm -hmm. but I think it's yeah maybe it's just a case of kind of making people aware that you're available to go in and then um i i don't know what happens in schools as to why some people pick that up and others don't and maybe it's just a case of happening to get a um someone that's in their like leadership team that actually says actually this is something really important for young people to know about um, right, right. I'm. I mean, I'm all for just going in and just speaking about the mental health just mm-hmm. as as a whole, and maybe just having a certain small portion of it be about suicide prevention or about self harm. You know, um, but I think that that suicide prevention is is a necessity. Yeah, I think it's one of the. It's one of those topics as well where we we make assumptions that certain things are spoken about or young people are educated on to some extent. And you're like, oh, okay, so no one's going to sit down and talk to them about suicide. But at some stage in education over however many years you're in it, people will have spoken to them about looking after yourself and things like that. And most of the time it just doesn't happen. And I think it's because you get... Um, and again this is just my view that you get teachers that are specialists in their subject areas and they don't have that relationship that a guest speaker can have where you can come in and say I've been through this or I've struggled with that and that can be a really hard thing for someone that 
teachers to go in and open themselves up in that way, I guess, to mm-hmm. students when they have that role. Um, and maybe they don't have the knowledge to um, speak in that way as well. Like it's very well, like you say, kind of standing there and talking about something that you know, um, but to then say, oh, this is something I've experienced, but I don't necessarily know how to talk about it. Um, I don't have like this textbook I can refer to or some stats from three years ago and this is just my story. Um, Right. Yeah, it's a different experience. I do think it comes across so much more when it's from a guest speaker because naturally, um, (laughs) not just young people, um, but naturally people listen more to someone that they don't have that day-to-day relationship with because you're someone different, you're someone new. Um, or what are you coming to talk to me about? Oh, this is something different. And the kind of the attention or the engagement is sometimes there a little bit more. Right. Um, so I'm surprised more people wouldn't kind of, um, I'm not surprised they're apprehensive, but I'm surprised they wouldn't like enter into a conversation around, oh, actually, although you've offered to come in and talk about this, would you come and talk about this? And then mm-hmm. something happens from that. I don't know. But um, that's really cool, though, that you're open to going and doing that. And I think. Um, like we said at the beginning, it's about people talking about their experience that actually kind of engages not just young people, but people across the board with let's talk about mental health. Like people do experience it. We experience it in different ways. If if I struggle with depression, it's not going to be the same way that you'll struggle with depression. Um, and uh, I think one of the big things is as well is that getting across that mental health is something that everybody has. It's not like mental health isn't an illness um like we don't say oh you have physical health what a shame (laughs) it just seems like the the language i feel actually once you've got used to saying it and reading it a little bit and you're more comfortable with it it's just really strange that people don't accept that as a like a normal thing like oh if you have physical health and you have mental health and like even now when i um when i have to fill in like i've done a survey recently and i'm i don't remember might have been when I went to the doctors and they sort of do the how's your physical health and how's your mental health and I'm like oh my god like even in my mind I'm still thinking oh um oh I don't know um but I'll tell you like (laughs) I've got a bad ankle or something (laughs) (laughs) right right (laughs) and I think if you're like that when you talk about it you write about it and I'm like how is someone gonna react when it's completely alien to them and we don't talk about that the rest of the time right yeah I I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really am. I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just, I think that, that we're taking big steps and I think mm. that things are, are definitely improving, but you know, two steps forward, three steps back kind of a situation mm. from, from time to time. So, um, I personally have noticed, you know, on, on Twitter, especially that maybe it's because I've blocked them all. I don't know, but (laughs) the the trolls, the trolls have really slowed down and there's not a lot of, you know, people attacking other people. Um, although I've been on the, on the side of, of, uh, the attackee in the last couple of months, I've had a couple of people, uh, come at myself and my husband and you know we've had to defend ourselves and it's been kind of ugly but um you know i think you're going to get that no matter what 
field you're working in because there's always going to be somebody that disagrees. And that's why my book is called, it's not your journey because Mm. it's not, it's mine. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to tell you to, to go on the same path that I'm going, that I went on. I'm, I'm actually trying to strenuously tell you to go in another direction and, you know really really don't do that yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly so it's, a, it's a cautionary tale so um you know when people write rude comments about how you know i don't really have bipolar disorder because it doesn't work the same way theirs does mm. you know it's it's laughable because to be that, you know, closed-minded about about such a topic is is unfathomable to me. Mm. And especially when it's something that that person obviously has make the assumption some knowledge of, if they also suffer with that illness, that you couldn't understand that someone else can experience it in a different way. Right. Exactly. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that you really want to mention as we come towards the end. Uh, no, I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, uh, maybe one thing. Yeah. I am having an event, uh, starting July 24th. I have a hashtag and it's hashtag keep talking MH. Okay. And it's become very popular, and I'm really grateful to everyone that's still continuing to use it. It started quite some time ago, so, um, you know, I had famous people using it and, you know, tweeting it back to me, and and it was, it's just, it's become pretty big. And you, if you go and you do a search for hashtag keep talking MH, the amount of posts that are going out with it included in it are phenomenal international bipolar foundation is using it um you know just all sorts of different things like i'm trying to get more and more big companies to to use it um so i decided to have this this event and it goes from the 24th through the 30th and it's the keep talking mental health week okay and basically what it involves is you make a sign that says hashtag keep talking mental health and you make it as creative as you possibly can or you take it, take a picture and you, you're taking a selfie with the sign, obviously, yep. and or you take take the selfie in a creative place like in the the crowd at a baseball game or, or something something like that or if you can talk a celebrity on Twitter into uh, tweeting it a, a picture of themselves with a sign like that. Mm. Um, those are the three categories and I'm going to choose three winners. Um, you know, the most creative uh, design, the most creative place. And, you know, if anyone's able to get someone famous to, to hold up a sign as well, and I've get, we're going to have these fantastic prize packs. I have so many amazing friends that are sending me their books or, or you know, jewelry or I'm getting stress balls and just all sorts of all these 
amazing things that I'm going to be including in these prize packs for people. And um, I, I really think it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, you can do it on Twitter. You can do it on Facebook. There's an event on Facebook. So if you want to reach out to me on Twitter at Becca Lombardo, B-E-K-A-L-O-M-B-A-R-D-O, I can tell you a little bit more about it if you're interested. And um, like I said, it starts on the 24th. And, you know, in the meantime, keep using the, the hashtag because we need to it's, – it's vital for us mm. to keep talking about mental health. And so hashtag keep talking MH. That's, uh, that's what you want to do. <laughs> oh, awesome stuff. And there's, like a, there's a link on the website as well, isn't there, about that? So all the information's on your website as well, which is cool. Yep. I've, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I've got it up now. Oh, awesome stuff. I'm excited for that. I'm going to have a look and see, um, look at some of the pictures later as well and see who's been involved. Well, so no, cool. it, nobody's posted yet because it doesn't oh, start until, oh, the, tw- until, until the 24th. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, so but, is that, um, that's next, next weekend? Mo- next, next Monday. Yep. Next Monday. Oh, okay. Okay. Get ready with some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you participate and you just take a selfie with it or have somebody else take a picture of you with it. And and um, I will, uh, my husband and I are judging who's the most creative. Uh, well, I don't think mine will be that creative, but I'll take part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take part no matter what because because it's it's an important thing and i think the yeah. more of us that that post signs and do this type of thing mm. the uh more awareness we're going to raise so yeah i mean i think one of the first campaigns i really saw take off with the um with like awareness was the ice bucket challenge and like although a lot of people engaged with that that necessar- didn't necessarily know about the charity and the things that were going on but the amount of information that kind of came out about ALS after that, um, I think was really good. And, um, some of the, the things that have gone online really do like, it's a chance for people to kind of spread that bit of awareness. And although not everyone that engages with the campaign engages with the meaning, actually just like the spreading the word thing is, is so valuable. Um, so it's awesome that there's, another project going on and like you say to get some big names and brands and things like that involved as well helps to spread that message even further which is really really good so um look forward to seeing all of that kick off next week okay cool awesome Um, this has been fun thank you so much for having me thank you very much for coming on i will um add in um links to your website and to twitter and stuff like that um if there's any like other links that you want to include if you let me know and I can add those in as well okay that sounds great thank you so much no worries thank you very much for your time I enjoyed chatting me too have a great rest of your day cool you too bye bye So thank you very much for listening in to that episode and for my conversation with Becca. Hopefully you found that really, uh, well, as enjoyable and interesting as I did. I think it's always really kind of, I don't know, I guess enlightening to hear someone else talk about their experience and their views uh, on mental health and, yeah, their own experience as well. 
so some of the links for Becca, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about her. Um, obviously, she's over on Twitter, which is where I find pretty much everyone that comes onto the podcast. Uh, and she's Becca Lombardo, so B-E-K-A-L-O-M-B-A-R-D-O. Uh, and you can also find uh, Becca's blog uh, over at judgmentfreezone2013.blogspot.com. Uh, and Becca's got her own website as well, which is uh, rebeccalombardo.com. And you can find out all the information about her podcast that she does with husband Joe over at Voices slash for slash change dot net uh and again if you have a look through i'll include all the links in the description so you can have a look there thank you very much for listening in like i say i hope you've enjoyed taking something from this episode i really really enjoyed talking to becca uh, and to all of the guests that have come on to the podcast in the past if you're interested in coming on in the future please do get in contact um it's always really interesting to about people's stories experiences um and i've had a couple of messages through in the last couple of weeks um about a few different things uh like project wise that are going on as well so it's really interesting to hear about some of that uh, and hopefully i'm able to share some of that with you guys soon as well so thank you very much for listening in please do remember to come and follow me um over on twitter where i'm mike underscore douglas underscore and follow the podcast open underscore journal underscore uh we're over on facebook uh as well um but all of the information is available at the website which is mikesopenjournal.com so thank you very much for listening and please remember you're not alone out there